following program is brought to you by your friends at Podcast One. Lowe's knows you'll do spring right by saving on everything you need to get your garden growing. We do it right, too, with incredible deals to help you save during our spring Black Friday sale, like Bonnie Vegetable and Herb Plants, four for $10. And for a clean-looking landscape, pick up five bags of Scott's Mulch for just $10. Whatever's on your spring to-do list, hurry in and save during our spring Black Friday sale. Do it right for less. Start with Lowe's. Offers valid through 417, not valid on Alaska or Hawaii. Bonnie offer valid on 19-ounce pots. See store for details, U.S. only. In the end, like little decisions like that um, at, at Groupon added up to a negative impact on the customer experience that did become tangible. You know, the customer might, might not be able to pinpoint it as being one specific thing, but it's just death by a thousand cuts where you make a lot of little optimizations where you try to e- eke out a little bit here and there, and those things will kill you. Welcome to the Forbes interview. I'm your host, Steve Bertoni. On this show, I'll do in-depth interviews with billionaires, entrepreneurs, and influencers. Today, we have an awesome guest, Andrew Mason, who is the CEO of Descript. Um, and you also might know him from a little company he started back in the day called Groupon. Uh, Andrew, thanks for coming on the show. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. So you are a serial entrepreneur. Um, the company you started, Groupon, is still um, you know, $3 billion company, publicly traded, but you've shifted gears and you're starting, uh, you started a new company based on audio and transcription and AI called Descript. Tell me about, first of all, tell me about this company and what got you into the space. Sure. So for the last four years, actually, I've been building a company called Detour, which is a mobile app for audio tours, where part of it is just building this really cool technology platform, but part of it is actually making the content. And we were just recording hundreds of hours of essentially podcasts and realizing what a tedious process it was to make this content. And we started wondering, um, wouldn't it be cool if there was a way that I could open and edit audio just by looking at text and make it as easy to edit and work with audio as it is to work with a word processor. Uh, So we started looking into it and and, uh, it was just about the time that automatic uh, transcription, uh, speech Uh to text had reached a level of sophistication and accuracy that it was tenable for normal use where maybe one out of 20 words it would it would mess up but it was totally readable with with decent quality audio Mm -hmm. um so we looked at that and a few other um innovations and realized that it was possible to just layer audio on top of a uh, of a script uh word with word by word accuracy and then use that script to edit the audio and that's what descript is it's the world's first audio word processor and what we're trying to do is reimagine the 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 way that people uh create audio so that it becomes as simple as as working with text and breaking away to say thank you to amica insurance veridesk and rocket mortgage for their support of our podcast the forbes interview more about these companies later in the show well, wow, my producer is going to love this because she has to edit like crazy. So this, is, this will make her life a lot easier. I want to take a step back for detour for a second. Um, you said you were doing audio tour guides. Was this like for cities or museums or spaces? Like what kind of what kind of tours? Yeah, the the, the idea was it, it came a long time ago. Just whenever I would travel, I wanted a better way to explore 
cities and places I was visiting than going on somebody else's terms in a tour group with a bunch of random tourists or walking around with a guidebook. Um, so the idea of, of Detour was that we find somebody who's part of the community, who knows the history and has a perspective that you can't get anywhere else. And we use location technology to make it feel like they're walking around with you mm -hmm. and so that that's like a, an example would be in the castro of san francisco we have a guy named cleve jones who was a right-hand man of harvey milk and has lived in the castro for all of his adult life so he's an ex he's an expert and a local and really understands the culture of the place yeah exactly and he and it's not just like this beleaguerment of facts and figures it's a story with a beginning middle and end and he talk he walks you through a path that lasts about an hour and you walk away with a perspective on the place that you just couldn't get anywhere else so we just wanted to build a really a, a, a way to experience place that was more satisfying than these kind of surface level bus tours that you get i see that's and, the idea yeah. and you said you did four how many of these um tours did you produce um, gosh, I think we have 120 or so in mm. 20 different cities. Wow! So, and this is it's interesting because you you know you you spent four years in this. You guys created a ton of content and put a lot of thought into it. But then in the end, you decided to you know switch it up and to pivot a little bit. How do you make that decision? to Say you know what we did all this stuff and now we're going to move to something else or we're going to scrap this idea and just you know come up with something totally different. Yeah, it was it was similar to uh, to what happened with Groupon, which also started as a different company. Um, and what ends up happening is you're you 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 get started and you have this kind of mess of ideas and concepts that are all feeding into your product. And one of those was Descript. Descript started out as the production tool for tours, mm -hmm. um, and and then you listen. And w what we heard was we, we would bring people through the office and be working with producers and they would see what we were doing with Descript and their eyes would just go wide and they tell us about how they had the idea 20 years ago. Mm -hmm. And you start, you start to get an ear for what product market fit feels like. And, um, you know, Paul Graham has a great line, or at least he says it a lot. Um, I think it's his line um, that the the uh the whole thing with with big startup ideas is that they start out non-obvious mm -hmm. um and so i'm a believer that you just get in there with uh with something <laughs> and then you just listen and uh and and the, the chances are pretty good that the thing that you originally thought was the thing is not the thing it's this other thing that's part of what you're doing or some some number of hops removed from what you're doing and that's that's what happened here um now now detour is still a really cool concept and people who do it love it there just haven't been as many as we wanted but it's still continuing to exist i see and so just take me through an example so people listening to us right now you take this audio feed of you and i talking and then um descript will use an algorithm to turn our text into a transcription so into into type and then you can go in i can go in there and edit out what you and I are saying and to, you know, make cut sentences, move things here and there. And then that reflects also from the transcript, but also reflects on the audio. Yeah, exactly. So it could be micro edits such as, um, you just, uh, um, 
uh, like what I'm doing right now, where I'm stuttering my way through a sentence. Descript would identify that's those my, things. That's my and, style. You know, that's what that's my, <laughs> my, my my voice. Right. And so it's really easy to just highlight those words and delete it. You don't have to switch. In a traditional form, you would be looking at a waveform. You would need to listen to it and try to identify the boundaries of the beginning and end of these edit points. Now it's just as easy as editing out words in a text document. And then obviously you can do more macro edits. Um, you know, there's actually uh, listeners, there's a, there's a section um, where Steve just went on a a kind of um, mean-spirited rant that he just edited out, uh, and and it's good for, it's good for something like that. The rant's coming um, in a few minutes. <laughs> uh, and uh, what else? Uh, like it, reordering the the document. Um, we're uh-huh. also working now on adding music and multiple tracks and stuff like that. So, really anything anything you can imagine, um, you'll that you could do in a traditional. Um, audio production environment you'll be able to do with Descript. Oh, and how does it does it how does it make it smooth in terms of if we're cutting out words or moving it away? How does it not come like a choppy you know one of those you know customer service robot kind of things? Well, <clears throat> right now what we're doing is pretty rudimentary. We're really smart about finding the best edit boundary, um, and then we put in crossfades to smooth it out a little bit, um, but there's a lot that can be done with um, machine learning mm-hmm. to get smarter about that over time. And that's something that we're really excited to, to work on just the, by, by, by linking up the, the um, semantic information that you get out of text um, with the actual audio, it, it gives you superpowers in terms of the, intelligence of the edits that you can make. Mm-hmm. Um, so we really see what we're doing as this um, fundamental reset in how audio and and really eventually any speech-driven media production will work. Like the reason that something like Descript doesn't already exist isn't because of anything other than that the technology has really just reached a level of maturity where something like this can exist. Mm-hmm. Um, and if we weren't doing it, I think somebody else would. And, you know, within a few, within five years, the majority of media will be produced in a, in a, in a format similar to this. Yeah. I was just going to ask what, who is kind of your target audience or your target market? Is it professionals? Is it, people is it podcasters is it journalists is it tv producers is it all of the above i think of the the word processor as the gold standard of creation tools because of because of the fact that it is all of the above like a uh, high school book report and ulysses would be written in the same app mm-hmm. <laughs> right you kind of like learn the really basic mechanics of the tool very early on and then the rest of your career is dedicated to your to the craft because the tool is so directly expressive um and 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 we see descript as a similar thing it just makes uh creation easier uh easier for newcomers so we think that there's this whole audience of people who are turned off by the engineering brain that's required to delve into traditional audio production Mm -hmm. and descript will will be the um the the path into creation for those people but also for existing professionals it's so much faster and frankly it's more fun 
So even if you're someone like me who has a background in working in digital audio workstations, um, it's it's when you're editing, you're constantly staying in your literary editorial brain and not and not jumping back and forth between engineering brain Hmm. and editorial brain. And um, and so we think that we think that anybody that wants to do media production will get a lot of value out of this tool. It sounds great for writing too. I mean, I I hate transcript. Like I do a lot of interviews. I record them for for print. Um, and one of the worst things is you sit there for a couple painful hours and you transcribe the things. And I, I go on the your, your the homepage for you guys and say you can transcribe you know most stuff in under five minutes. And if not, uh, you you buy me a, a pizza pie according to the website. I mean that sounds that's right. That sounds really attractive there. And then writing. I mean I, I don't know how it always works. People's brains are different, but I always remember. A couple of kids in you know freshman year in college, they hated typing, so they had this whole plan, and they'd pay a couple hundred bucks for this. You know, this is back in you know 1999. They pay for that software that comes with a headset, and they thought they could talk their term paper, mm-hmm. and that never worked. <laughs> never worked. It was right. expensive and choppy. But this sounds like it's there. So for people that hate typing, at least you can kind of. It's, would this be like you can kind of just you know riff and then go in there and then put your editor head on and you know make the sentences prettier because no one talks like they write and vice versa. Definitely. And I find myself using Descript to compose first drafts of emails and other things like that. It's just a good way to force yourself to blurt out a, a first draft. You know, take a step back for a second, but just with your entrepreneur mind and coming up with ideas. So you, we put you on the cover of Forbes back in 2010 with Groupon. And I think the headline was the fastest growing company ever. Yes. <laughs> and I remember that. Yes. Um, hopefully good memories. And it's amazing because, you know, your backgrounds are very interesting. You know, you were very entrepreneurial. I think I, in the story we said how you were uh, always hustling in a good way. You, I think you had like a bagel uh, delivery service back in middle school or high school. Um, and then you were doing stuff with the web, public policy, um, starting surveys and polls. And then you moved on to coupons. Like how, what, how does your brain work? And mm-hmm. like how did you t- – take me to Groupon for a second, like the evolution of that. Because then it went so crazy and you became – the poster child for this, you know, this new this new web phenomenon, which is now the cool hip thing. But this is before you know you were really on the early stages of this kind of web, whatever, you know, 4.0 when you had you know 25 year olds building billion dollar companies. Sure. So Groupon started out as a I was getting a a degree in in public policy at the University of Chicago and learning about collective action, and I had this idea for a web platform. Um, that ended up becoming called the point, uh, where the idea was it would help overcome all the collective action problems by saying, let's get a, let's get people to agree to do something, but they're only going to do it when enough people agree to do it, that it'll actually make a difference somehow. Mm -hmm. Um, so that I'm not left as this person who's investing my time or money or energy into something that's going to fail. So, uh, way, so, so was it kind of like a precursor to kind of like change.org in a way? We were out there at the same time as okay. change.org. It was more of a precursor to the Kickstarter type of model where, um, you know, change.org was always more focused on a petition style approach and petitions were part of what we were doing in, but, or sorry, like a social action was part of what we were doing, but it was always in the format of someone would start a campaign and they would say, I will take some action, but only if a thousand other people do it with me. And the action could be boycotting a company or showing up at a protest 
or um, buying a pizza from a pizza restaurant. Yeah. And it only it would only happen if uh, if if the pizza restaurant gave it for 50 percent, 50 percent off. So um, so that was that was the original grandiose idea and the little subset of it that that was um, generating some electricity was this group purchasing part. Hmm. So Groupon ended up just being a focusing basically of that original idea and the rest of it wasn't working. And we said, let's double down on group purchasing. And instead of waiting for people to start these campaigns, let's in, in Chicago where we were based, let's go out and, and procure them on behalf of the customers. Let's go to businesses. And, uh, and then as soon as we started doing that, it, it took off very quickly. And we'll be right back after this quick break. Support for the Forbes interview podcast comes from our friends at Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans, the mortgage company that decided to ask, why? Why can't clients get approved in minutes rather than weeks? Why can't they make adjustments to the rate and term in real time? And why can't there be client-focused technological mortgage revolution? Quicken Loans answered all these questions and more with Rocket Mortgage. Rocket Mortgage gives you the confidence you need when it comes to buying a home or refinancing your existing home loan. Rocket Mortgage is simple, allowing you to fully understand all the details and be confident you're getting the right mortgage for you. Whether you're looking to buy your first home or your tenth, with Rocket Mortgage, you get a transparent online process that gives you the confidence to make an informed decision. Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans. Apply simply, understand fully, mortgage confidently. To get started, go to rocketmortgage.com slash Forbes, equal housing lender, licensed in all 50 states, nmlsconsumeraccess.org number 3030. It's the new year, and lots of us are at least thinking about ways in which we can be happier and healthier. Maybe we'll take in some yoga, cook up better dinners, or perhaps try a standing desk. Like Veridesk. Veridesk turns your desk into a standing desk, so you're more active than sitting all day. Standing more and sitting less can lead to more energy, less back pain, and more productivity. Check out Veridesk risk-free for 30 days with free shipping both ways. See it for yourself at veridesk.com. That's V-A-R-I-Desk.com. So you're like a club promoter. It's in a sense like, hey, I'll bring in 100 people if you give me uh, drinks for half off. Exactly. Yeah. And then you started this and it, went, it took off like crazy, right? Yes. It took off like crazy. So take me on that little that, that step from being, you know, studying, you know, public policy and group action at University of Chicago to suddenly, you know, you are have, you know, venture capitalists knocking on the door, you're on the cover of uh magazines like Forbes as you know you're in your in your 20s like what was that like how when did it hit like wow this is this is something we got something here um I think I think pretty early on it was clear that the idea was working and um and after we after we replicated it in a couple cities outside of Chicago it was clear that it was going to it was going to get bigger and bigger what was it like i mean i i guess you're just it, it's the these these ideas when they take off they kind of have their own 
momentum. They they're it's just this organic exploding thing. Mm -hmm. And as a as as the human beings that are responsible for shepherding its existence in the world, you're mostly just trying to figure out what this thing is and hold on and um, and steer it in a in a useful direction. And that's a fairly chaotic and um, intense process. But there's not a lot of time to reflect on the surrealness of it all. You're mostly, you're mostly just kind of fixated on the, um, on the operational challenge. Yeah. And how'd you kind of get, cause you went from academia to this and, you know, in some way Groupon was, it was a tech company, but in a, in a way kind of like Uber, you know, you had to have, you know, teams in every city looking for deals, outposts, like this was very human intensive. What was the most headcount you had as a CEO? Uh, I think about 13,000. 13,000 people. And you were like in what, 50 more cities? 20? We were in fifty, almost fifty countries. Fifty countries. So, how, you know, with someone with no kind of like managerial experience, what, would, how did you manage that? Um, in some ways, not very well. <laughs> you you end up uh, you end up learning as you go, and I could you know rattle off a a, a list of human casualties is like basically um human beings that i ate through the process of uh a, a, as a fuel to learning how to become a decent um manager which is a non-intuitive um uh act like especially if you've cut your teeth and built your success as a strong individual contributor mm -hmm. being a manager often requires uh, impulses that are directly counter to those of a great individual contributor. And so that's an adjustment. But ultimately... What, 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 what do you mean by when people you kind of ate? What do you mean? Is that just... Explain. I just mean like like people... like. People who uh, people who had to suffer <laughs> through yeah. the through through the uh, through my incompetence as I as I learned uh, how to become decent at that stuff and still still continue to learn. But but the way the way that I ultimately started to learn was um, by hiring experienced executives to work under me who were gracious enough to um, to 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 teach me. You know, so we ended up hiring a lot of people, a lot of ex-Amazon people and from a couple other companies. Um, and I just learned a ton from those guys on how to how to evolve and become a become a leader. What was kind of the scariest moment? You, like, you have days you walk in and you see you have 13,000 people across 50 countries and just kind of froze in a sense. No, it's it, like I can imagine how if you've never had that many, I, I remember, I remember like early on investors looking around saying like in, in a, you know, in six months, you're going to have 500 people. And it, and we were at like 50 people mm -hmm. and I would think, well, how's that going to work? How am I going to manage 500 people and know their names and so on? And, and of course you don't, right. And, uh, you, you, you hire great people that do. Uh -huh. And it's always, it's always hard to imagine how that would work. But once you get in the, once you get in the situation, it's, uh, it's, it's, it makes more sense. Uh -huh. Yeah. I think, and the press and I guess the fellow business community, 
for some times they didn't know what to think of you. I mean, it was a very interesting. The company was out there, and I remember you know you were always doing pranks, and I think there was you know photos of you with cats in your head and and those kind of things. Like, what was that kind of experience? Did you kind of just that's you, and just everyone can just have to you know adjust to what you're up to, or did, was that a, a kind of a persona thing? Like, what was what, how did you kind of deal with the new the new fame, the new all that intense that intense spotlight? Um. Yeah, I remember I, it was some of the first press that we got was my, my introduction to being covered in the press was like some uh, local CBS station came mm-hmm. by the office and did a story on um, did a story on uh, D, on a Groupon. And I remember watching it like we were nervous and hoping it would go well. And it was basically like a commercial, like if we had if we had filmed a commercial for <laughs> group on we couldn't have done a more effective job and then like the press was just like a stream of that stuff so 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 there was this like a uh, immediate like on the upside by the way like there was just this immediate disil- disillusionment with <laughs> with the with the press and appreciation for a kind of a first-hand appreciate like come to understanding that they are um there for entertainment more than anything else. And, uh, and I always had a hard time taking that being, uh, serious with that, I guess, mm-hmm. um, engaging in, to a fault, you know, like to a, like, I think it would have been in, in some, in retrospect, especially after we became public, um, it would have been a service to the company to have figured out how to suck it up and just play this dumb out game. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, so you always wanted like to be, you wanted to have a spectacle. You always wanted to be like, you're, you're, you're a, you're a musician. You always wanted like a stage presence and wanted to kind of have bring some excitement <laughs> no. to it or no, it was the other way. Uh, no, it, I, I just, I just liked when I saw opportunities to do interesting things, then I would, I would take them and I'm, uh, that, that I don't spend enough time thinking about what people think about me, yeah. I guess is a, to a fault. <laughs> well, you know, you're an entrepreneur. That's how it goes. What does like, what, what's the change? So, so from, so Andrew Mason, the CEO of Groupon versus now Andrew Mason, the CEO of Descript, like you, you learned a ton, you trial by fire and you had a lot of lessons. What is, what was the change? Like, how do you go about the days now that you learned the hard way uh, at Groupon? Yeah, at the at the end of Groupon, I definitely I definitely remember walking around the office feeling like, man, if I knew at the beginning what I knew now, because it's one of the challenging things is so much of your culture gets set in the earliest moments of the company. And the act of changing some of those things is incredibly uh, difficult the larger the company becomes. And so, and so there are just like those basic boring learnings about, about what culture is and how to, how to set it in a way that's going to lead to a large company that thrives and has happy employees who are doing their best work. Mm-hmm. So what cultural resets would you have made early on? Well, I think there are certain cultural values that you just have to be completely religious about like not be willing to um, consider data 
<laughs> that uh, that might lead one to the contrary. Uh-huh. Um, an example is, you know, there were there were certain countries at Groupon that got excited about the we, like the whole idea with Groupon is we were sending an email a day, mm-hmm. and um, as we as we were getting bigger kind of ambitious country managers would say, Hey, what if we start sending two emails a day? And I would typically say something like, well, what kind of customer would want that? That sounds like that would suck. Yeah. Um, uh, and, uh, and they would say, well, let's look at the data and let the data decide. And, you know, we would do an AB test or something. And this is, uh, I don't remember the specifics of this example, but it's, it's illustrative, you know, and then the, the data might, might show, Oh, there's actually, yes, some people unsubscribe, but net net, um, it's a, it's an improvement to the business and you let yourself be convinced by these things that seem, that seem rational. And, uh, and, and on, on issues like this, there, you start to realize there, there are multiple right answers. And the right answer that you go with is the one that's driven by the values that you're, that, that you that you're religious about and and i think like uh in in situations like that you just have to be like we're not even going to consider this because mm-hmm. we have this intuition that it's not the right thing for the customer and and in the end like little decisions like that um at at groupon added up to a negative impact on the customer experience that did become tangible you know the customer might, might not be able to pinpoint it as being one specific thing, but it's just death by a thousand cuts where you uh-huh. make a lot of little optimizations where you try to e- eke out a little bit here and there, and those things will kill you. And we'll be right back after this quick break. Support for the Forbes interview comes from Amica Insurance. We're living in the age of the discerning shopper when savvy consumers increasingly favor brands that value authenticity, ethics, and a great shopping experience. Amica is committed to being a company people trust. Visit meetamica.com slash Forbes and find out why 95% of Amica customers with combined auto and home policies stay with them. One more time, that's meetamica.com slash Forbes to find out more about Amica Insurance. Lowe's knows you'll do spring right by saving on everything you need to get your garden growing. We do it right, too, with incredible deals to help you save during our spring Black Friday sale, like Bonnie Vegetable and Herb Plants, four for $10. And for a clean-looking landscape, pick up five bags of Scott's Mulch for just $10. Whatever's on your spring to-do list, hurry in and save during our spring Black Friday sale. Do it right for less. Start with Lowe's. Offers valid through 417, not valid on Alaska or Hawaii. Bonnie offer valid on 19-ounce pots. See store for details, U.S. only. So you, there's such an like there's always an embrace of, I mean, every startup and company is like they embrace the data and they say, hey, the data says we're going to be able to scale like crazy and grow, but take a step back and like you know what, but it, it's going to be a shittier product. You don't want to you don't want to hurt your customer in this in for the sake of just pure growth. Yeah, I mean, I haven't thought about it until this moment, so this could be full, this could be a nonsense statement. But if you look at what Facebook is going through right now, like Facebook is is incredibly data driven and they've used data to optimize um, to optimize their newsfeed into something that's as engaging as possible. Like so engaging that increasingly people are waking up and saying, this is bad for my life. Yeah. And I think Apple's having the same thing now too. Right. Some kind of blowback. And, right. And so it'll be interesting to see how all of this, all of this stuff plays out where we're looking at data through, 
through too narrow a lens. And, um, and it like, I remember listening to an interview with someone at Facebook who, who was, someone was asking them, um, well, what's, what's stopping you from just optimizing it? So people are checking their newsfeed, um, constantly all day. Mm-hmm. And the Facebook guy was like, well, you know, we wouldn't do that because then we would, we would lose the customer. And we know that, that they would attrit. And the funny thing is like Facebook is already like optimizing. They're thinking about how can we suck? How can we occupy as much of your time over your, the entirety of your life as we possibly can, (laughs) which is worse in a way. Yeah. Um, and, uh, anyway, so, but I, but I think even that is going to prove to be too narrow a data set to, um, to, for them to hold that sustainable place in people's life. You made a lot of money from Groupon and you didn't necessarily have to work again, I imagine, or could do other things like what got you back into the startup game? Um, well, you can't. You can't just sit around and play video games. I mean, what else am I going to do? There's, there's, especially because you've made money. Um, there's nothing else to do but sit around and wait to die. So, every time, every moment that I'm working on a startup is a moment that I don't have to confront my slow decline into death. Yeah, that's a that's a good way to think about it. What in, in and did you have a with um, Detour, was that just the obvious thing? Like you couldn't stop thinking about it or did you kind of keep on brainstorming different ideas, seeing different possibilities? Um, or was this just kind of like screaming at you like I'm doing this next? You didn't have to think about it too much. Yeah, I had a I had a backlog of um, ideas that I ha- – so the ideas that I started having after, um, after Groupon were all – like I no longer had normal person problems. And so they were all like corrupted, terrible ideas because, uh, because they just don't apply to actual people. Like your, like a, like your private jet cleaning service kind of thing. Yeah. Things like that. (laughs) Like, um, so, I mean, I never had that idea just to be clear, but. Give me, give me um, some examples of real ones you thought about. Cause like, like there was, there was one that I wanted to do that was like. Um, kind of like an, an Uber for experts where you could pick up the phone and get an expert that could answer your question on demand. Um, and, uh, like consultant on demand kind of thing. Yeah. I mean, but it could be, it could be about something like how to make a good cappuccino or something like that. And it connects you to a barista, Mm -hmm. uh, which is like, which like, which is like, first of all, a dumb problem. (laughs) (laughs) but second of all it's like there's the idea that you need to have that on demand and you can't just like go on the fucking internet and google it or whatever and like take a couple of minutes to do it is even dumber it's like the old it's like the old telephone like operator give me uh the barista yeah that was the idea so so uh so uh, anyway so um the idea for detour is an idea that i had a long time ago and i have like four other ideas that are are my pre- group on idea ideas where I was still a normal person. And I basically like, will spend the rest of my life doing those ideas hmm. and then I'm done because, uh, I, I, am incapable of coming up with new ideas that are relatable. 
just give away all your money that you can start from start from scratch. That is a great idea. <laughs> and it's interesting. You've always, you know, you were a Chicago guy. You were always like a Silicon Valley outsider, and you know, I'm in New York and cover tech, which I kind of like being away from the bubble, so to speak. It's funny because when group we first started, you said you know you, the first video, the first press you did, you couldn't have done it better yourself in terms of commercial. Um, and I was been talking about this a lot recently that there was like a, a moment when you know the, the press was really cheerleaders for the you know the unicorn march, billion dollar valuations, and now it's changed. With and you know for many many reasons, whether it's bad behavior of CEOs, whether it's the current president, the Harvey Weinstein thing, like there's an edge now. How do you like? What do you look at? How do you like kind of view the you view the press, and also how do you view what's going on in Silicon Valley right now? Because they were the darlings of America, and now um, you know they're taking it on the dark side right now, or they, at least the impression is that they're they become the targets instead of becoming the heroes in a lot of ways. Yeah, um, there's there's good stuff about it. Um, I don't I don't know that I can answer that question in a way that would that would do it justice within the constraints of this show. It's a, it's a good question, but I'm just going to, um, I'm just going to leave it at that. I will just talk about tech in general. What right now happening in tech is exciting you and you think, wow, this is really cool. And uh, are there other things, um, that kind of make you a little nervous? Yeah, I'll, I'll talk about the stuff that, that makes me nervous. Um, I mean, for probably five years now, I've, started uh implementing constraints in my life to uh to protect me from my own worst impulses um around using technology so um i don't have email or a web browser or any apps like that on um on my phone on twitter and facebook i've on Twitter, I've muted everybody that I follow. On Facebook, I've unfollowed everybody that I follow, because I can't stop myself from um, from checking these things impulsively. Just over, like so, at your at your worst, you're just checking it every minute, kind of thing. Not every minute, but um, but many times a day. Yeah. And um, and and it's it's clear that like none of these services make me feel good. Um for checking them. And, and I noticed that when I feel good is when I manage to disconnect from them for some period of time. Mm-hmm. So, um, I'm excited about, uh, the fact that there's a, a growing awareness and appreciation for that and hopeful that, um, some of these initiatives like what Tristan Harris is doing, um, with the time well spent, will will gain momentum, um, and companies will listen and react um, somehow. Yeah. I think like in general, the advertising business model is, um, is, uh, just inherently intrinsically setting the wrong incentive system that leads to bad results. I, I think subscription, there's some, uh, news organizations that are doing subscription models that I think are exciting experiments. Um, although not perfect, um, Tell me about it. <laughs> so, uh, so I'm I'm excited to see more innovation around the incentive system, the macro incentive ex- system in which media gets produced. So you said on your phone you have no social media, you have no um, email, and you said no internet portal. Right. So what do you use your phone? You have like a flip phone? 
No, I have a iPhone, but I, I, I have, you know, Lyft and, um, photos and, um, Asana. What else I'm looking, you know, stuff like that stuff that is stuff that when I impulsively take my phone out, when I'm waiting in line for something, Mm -hmm. if, if, if it's an app that could engage me somehow, then I usually end up deleting it. The only stuff that's there is stuff that I need to, because it's a tool to complete some task. Yeah, I'm with you, man. I'm stuck because I'm a journalist, so I need to be up to date on things. And I obviously have Twitter, Twitter on my phone. And I've, every time I open Twitter, it's like getting kind of like kicked in the stomach. Like you, you said, like you don't. It's like get me out of here. It's not like a. It's not like in a a, a, a positive feeling. It's kind of like almost a. You get you're, you're trained to kind of get that that gut punch. It's 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 very weird. Yeah, like the whole the whole value proposition that Twitter articulates of um, of being what's happening right now just seems like the most unuseful idea for people to, (laughs) to have. It's like really just like such a, such a um, concise expression of some of our most base and unuseful impulses as human beings is their value proposition. Yeah. And it seems like the lot, it's the people with the strongest opinions on either side of whatever you want to talk about are the ones that are posting it. So it's, it's always a, a giant reaction one way or the other. It's not a, there's not much nuance in, in, in that medium. So let's go back to Descript for a second. So what are you excited about? What, what are you going to work on for the two, in 2018, 2019? Like what's the next big push? It, you know, you've made the change, you're getting out there. What, what are you, what are you planning? What are you excited about? So the, the version of Descript that exists in the wild right now is, is really just the tip of the iceberg. It's a, it's an expression of this, paradigm shift from timeline driven audio editing to script driven audio editing but it just works with a single track um and so and so for people that are working in audio there's it's only a subset of those people that can really that can really utilize descript fully so what we're focused on is um introducing multi-track the ability to have multiple separate tracks of voice and uh and music so and and a couple of other features that will really let make descript the um soup to nuts de facto best tool out there for the majority of of podcasters um so so we're trying to simultaneously listen to our initial customers and make sure that we're adding the polish and things that they need to to use Descript for uh, in its current form. Um, and that's been really great uh, while driving ahead at this towards this roadmap of, of having uh, of, 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 of supporting the broader podcasting market. This is very meta. We're podcasting about podcasting. So you're, so yeah. you, you see the future of Descript is podcasting. Like you're, you're, you're high on this, uh, this medium. You think it's going places. Yeah, no, I, th- I think it's a, uh, a great medium and there's been a lot of growth in it over the last couple of years. And, uh, and as I, I think innovations like obviously, um, Alexa and it's ilk, um, CarPlay and it's ilk, um, but also just wireless, uh, earbuds making it so much easier and more likely that people are going to have earbuds with them at any moment of time that they're going to pop out to listen to something on their way to get a coffee. Um, you know, I think this kind of her style future, there's some truth in it. And, uh, 
audio as a medium will just ride that uh, will ride that wave. So we're pretty excited about it. Wow! And what's the um, what's the model like? Are you looking to sell to individuals? You're looking to kind of do a SaaS model with with big media companies and or just in general brands and and um, other institutional B two B plays. What do you? What's your bread and butter right now? Yeah. So you can download Descript for free, and you get thirty minutes of free transcription. Um, and then uh, you can subscribe to Descript for ten dollars a month. And you get all the editing features, and then transcription is seven cents a minute, which is cheaper than you'll find it, I think, just about anywhere. Um, and it's faster, and we have some of the most accurate, or I think the most accurate automatic transcription that you can find. So anybody who's working in audio as a medium right now, whether even if it's just recording interviews that you need to get transcribed, it's definitely worth checking out. It's kind of this suite of superpower tools that uh that will uh make your audio workflow a lot smoother andrew mason ceo of descript thanks for joining us today yeah thanks for having me that's it for this episode of the forbes interview i'm steve bertoni thanks for listening if you want to get in touch with a question or comment please reach us at interview at podcast one.com Can't get enough golf? Podcast One is the new home of Golflandia with Matthew Wiley. Every Monday, all season long, tune in to hear Matt talk predictions, tournament recaps, and interview guests from in and around the world of PGA and Euro Golf. He'll even talk business, branding, and family life because it all relates to golf. Download episodes of Golflandia every Monday exclusively on PodcastOne.com, the new Podcast One app, and Apple Podcasts. Lowe's knows you'll do spring right by saving on everything you need to get your garden growing. We do it right, too, with incredible deals to help you save during our spring Black Friday sale, like Bonnie Vegetable and Herb Plants, four for $10. And for a clean-looking landscape, pick up five bags of Scott's Mulch for just $10. Whatever's on your spring to-do list, hurry in and save during our spring Black Friday sale. Do it right for less. Start with Lowe's. Offers valid through 417, not valid on Alaska or Hawaii. Bonnie offer valid on 19-ounce pots. See store for details, U.S. only. At the border, I'm Ed Donahue with an AP News Minute. At the roundtable discussion today in San Antonio, Texas, President Trump heard something he said he never heard before about life along the border. Many people are dying, and the danger of living here, unless you know exactly what you're doing, is tremendous. This is Texas Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick. Where are the people in Washington to stand up for these children, these women, these senior citizens? Where are they? Bring them down. Mr. President, let the Democrats come down to Brooks County. Let them come to any of these ranches. Let them see these bodies. Let them see the skeletons. We have the photographs. Attorney General William Barr says he thinks spying did occur on Donald Trump's presidential campaign, suggesting the origins of the Russia investigation may have been mishandled. Scientists released the first image ever made of a black hole, revealing a fiery ring of gravity-twisted light swirling around the edge of the abyss. One scientist said science fiction has become science fact. I'm Ed Donahue.